Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Father, glorify your name in this place. Lord, let every person that walked in carrying things, let us walk out laying them down. Lord, if we walked in with the spirit of heaviness, let us walk out with gladness. If we walked in with anxiety, let us walk out with peace. Not because of my words or a song, but because your presence is here. Because you are here, Jesus, to encounter your people, to walk with your people, to love your people. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lord, let me say no more, no less than what you would have me to say. And Lord, I pray right now that your word will penetrate the hearts of men and women. And let us walk out of here more like who you are and less like who we were when we walked in. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to tell you a joke just because I can, and it brings me joy. So this Catholic church, or not Catholic church, Catholic school, they were having a problem with these young ladies um, putting lipstick on and kissing the mirrors in the restrooms, ladies' restrooms. And it was a really pain. It was a pain to clean, and Sister Mary, the principal, um, just kept telling the girls, stop. You know, like, we can't control you whether you wear lipstick or not. But please stop kissing the mirrors because it's a pain to clean. It's just a pain to clean. And the ladies, the girls just kept putting lipstick on and kissing the mirrors. Evidently, they thought everyone wanted to see the outline of their lips or something. And finally, Sister Mary called all the girls. They knew they knew who was doing it, called them all into the restroom and she was like, guys, I'm going to show you how much of a pain this is to clean. And we've asked you nicely over and over and over and over again. This has gone on for like a month, days and upon days. They kept putting lipstick on, and every night the janitor would have to clean it. And so um, Sister Mary said, I'm going to ask um, Brother Mike over here to show you what he has to do and how much of a pain it is to clean these stinking mirrors every night. So um, Brother Mike, he grabs his squeegee, which is like one of those long squeegees for your windshield, and he walks over and he dips it in the toilet, walks up to the mirror and scrubs it right off. And let me tell you, those girls quit kissing the mirror. (laughs) Uh, I know, Amy just said, that's so disgusting. Yeah, it is. Today... Today we're, we're continuing our series called Declaration, and I was going to go a different direction, and um, the Lord wouldn't let me. I was going to speak to you today about what God says about His church. But as I was doing my personal devotions, the Lord really captured my heart with two thoughts in Luke, and um, this week we're going to talk about what God says about growing your faith. And next week, we're going to talk about what God says about persistent prayer. And um, I love it when God 
takes the reins and goes a different direction. And I believe that people need to grab a hold of this. In, the, in, the, in this season, in the seasons to come, we need to have a posture of constantly wanting to grow our faith and constantly wanting to have faith. And Jesus says some very specific things about faith in Luke chapter 17. And I thought, whenever I read this before, I always thought it was so interesting. But I love, like, I don't know, I love how the Holy Spirit illuminates Scripture. And he would not let me run away from this. I kept going back to it and kept asking the Holy Spirit for clarity on it. And I honestly believe what we're about to to minister to is going to make sense, and it's also going to challenge us. We need growing faith. We need faith that when we speak to things, it happens. And so we're going to be looking in Luke 17, 1, 1 through 10, and it says this. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptations to sin, but sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So Jesus is addressing the consequences of when we tempt someone to sin. It's not a good thing. And obviously, if you're following Jesus and the Holy Spirit is working on you, I don't think you're going to do that if you're submitting to him. But he's talking about consequences. There's always consequences to sin. But then he goes on to to address some more stuff. He says, so watch yourselves. Like, be, be intentional about knowing what temptation is trying to drag you away. And in fact... Jesus is one of his last instructions to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, pray that you don't fall into temptation. This is a big deal. But then he says this, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. Notice, I want to stop here for a moment. It says, if another believer sins. For too long, the church has been trying to rebuke the world. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin, of unbelief. The Holy Spirit gets people to believe in Jesus, and then he starts a sanctifying process to make us look like Jesus. That's his job. We preach the gospel in love and let the Holy Spirit convict and to pull people. It's God's loving kindness that draws people to repentance. But it says if another believer sins, now we have justification but we can't walk around going hey listen to me punk you're saying you know like it's in love when 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 we address sin it's always out of the out of the motivation of love we love that person enough not to let them continue um to to go down this path because we know where it can go so we will address it in love we address sin in love so If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there's repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. 
So the apostles hearing this, Jesus saying, confront believer's sin, and if someone wrongs you seven times a day and they ask for forgiveness, forgive them. In fact, um, I believe it's in Matthew where Jesus says, how many times should you forgive in a day? He says 77 times seven. Like there's not an end to forgiveness. You just keep forgiving. You keep forgiving. You keep forgiving. I'm not saying you, you trust. If, 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 a person, if a person steals money from me and um, he asks for forgiveness, obviously I'm going to forgive them. doesn't mean I'm going to let them watch my wallet. You know what I'm saying? Um, there, there's a difference. I forgive them. I love them. But Jesus says you keep forgiving. You keep forgiving. You keep forgiving. Then upon hearing this, I love what the apostles said here because you would think it's disjointed, but hearing this confronting sin, forgiving sin, and helping, and, or confronting sin, repenting of sin, and then forgiving sin, upon hearing this, what did they ask Jesus? Show us how to increase our faith. Show us how to increase our faith. Well, so maybe it takes faith to confront sin. Maybe it takes faith to repent of sin. Maybe it takes faith to forgive sin. They're, they're understanding something that, oh, this is a huge ask, Jesus. I can't do that in my own strength. So Jesus, help me. To teach me how to increase my faith so I can do what you just asked me to do. You just asked me to confront sin. Th that's a step of faith right there. You better know, you better know the Holy Spirit's leading you in that moment to confront sin. So in response to this, Jesus says, the Lord answered, if you have faith even the size of a mustard seed, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea and it would obey you. So Jesus breaks his response down in two sections here. Number one, he breaks it down that they're saying, teach us how to increase our faith. But then Jesus says, it's not about the amount of faith that you have. It's about what you do with the faith that you have. And it's also about who you put your faith in. So if you're putting faith in other people, putting faith in governments, putting faith in procedures, putting faith in different things like that, well, it's always going to fail. But you put your faith in Jesus as you step out in, in faith, well, I mean, he's going to walk with you. He's going to keep you. And so he's saying, hey, it's not about the amount per se. It's more about, <laughs> it's more about what you do with the amount. And then he goes on to answer their question. But how he answers it is so crazy. Like, he, he addresses, it's not about the amount, but if you want to increase your faith, this is how you increase your faith. When a servant comes in from plowing, taking care of sheep, or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. So if you want to increase your faith, that's how you do it. You submit and serve. 
Submit and serve. Submit and serve. Submit and serve. And today, I want to give you two thoughts. First, I want to define what faith is. The word that they used in Greek for faith is this word pistis. And it's, deci- it's defined as faith, belief, trust, generally of the leaning of the entire human personality upon God or the Messiah, and absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. So when the disciples are saying, Jesus, teach us how to increase our faith, Jesus heard, okay, I want, they're wanting me to teach them how to increase their belief, trust, and, and how to lean their entire human existence upon who I am. So sometimes we, we have different definitions, but this is the word used in this section for faith. I, I once heard Hebrews definition, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So what is it? Faith is substance and faith is evidence. So faith is a substance that we can grow, and it's evidence. I also once heard faith is believing what you pray for will actually happen. That's a very practical definition. But this was the definition that they used. It's leaning, belief, trust, faith, leaning our entire human personality upon God or the Messiah in absolute trust and confidence in his power, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above anything we ask, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. His wisdom, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, and his goodness. Everything about God is good. There's not one character trait that's not good about God. Anything good that you have in your life is actually overflow with God's goodness. Because all good and perfect gifts come down from heaven, our Father. So that is what they're asking. And so the two thoughts... I want to give you, real short, the first thought is that it takes faith to confront sin, to repent, and to forgive. It takes faith. It takes faith. And I love, I love this because Jesus is actually teaching them what he models. Like, there is a passage in the Bible, in John chapter 4, and it's Jesus confronting sin, forget, uh, and, and we see a person repenting of sin, and then we see Jesus forgiving sin. And he models it, and, and the thing is with faith, though, when we walk in faith, there will always, 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 always be fear in front of our faith. And I, I kind of look at fear like, number one, fear is a demonic spirit, so we can, we can never make a decision based on fear. Like, I'm afraid this will happen, so I'm going to do this. Well, don't do that because that's fear masquerading as wisdom. Don't, don't, like, we, we can never make decisions based out of fear. It, it, fear likes to masquerade as wisdom a lot, and um, if we let it, every, all your friends will say, wow, you're really wise, but you'll never see mountains move. Um, so... But it takes, it takes faith to step through fear. Like, God, I don't know if I can say this. Well, would Jesus do it? Absolutely he would. would. How would he do it? He would coat everything in absolute love. 
He would code it in absolute love. The Bible says in John chapter 1, he is full of both grace and truth. Truth is blunt, and it doesn't care about your feelings. Grace is a, a pillow that you can fall on. So Jesus is full of both. And so in John chapter 4, we see him walking up to a well completely famished. And it says that he had to go through Samaria. So it takes faith to listen to the Holy Spirit in these moments. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, and he did everything in his carnal ministry here on earth as a man led by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, as followers of Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit in us, can do the same things as Christ through the Spirit. It's not us, it's him. It's all God. And so Jesus knew how to listen to the Spirit of God perfectly. And we see it so perfectly modeled. He says he had to go through Samaria. Well, he's God, and there's only one thing that would make Jesus or force Jesus to do anything, and it's the Holy Spirit. And because Jesus was submissive to the Holy Spirit perfectly, he listened and then so he knew if he had this compulsion to, I have to go through Samaria. That's not what Jews did. They walked around Samaria. But Jesus had to. So he listened to the Holy Spirit. He sat down at a well and started a normal conversation with the woman drawing water because he was thirsty. The Bible, if you go back and read John chapter 4, it says he was like wearily tired. It's like, that's like there's tired and then there's wearily tired. You know what I'm saying? Because he's been walking all day. And then he listened to the spirit and he recognized the moment. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a clip of a show called The Chosen. And it actually shows this moment. It captures it very well. It's pro this story, the woman at the well, is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. But it's actually, the reason why I'm showing this is it models what we're talking about. It takes faith to confront sin. It takes faith. It takes faith to, to help someone repent. And it takes faith to forgive. And we see all three of those modeled in Jesus here. And so the dialogue in The Chosen is obviously, it's a show about Jesus' life. But it's kind of like the message, transliteration. So give it grace, because it's not like quoting the um, James River, not James River, uh, King James or the NIV or anything like that. It's like the message. And so, but it's so amazing. It'll give you a visual about how Jesus walked in step with the Spirit and how he listened to the nuances of the Spirit. And it'll give you a visual what this actually looks like in real time. So let's, let's watch it.
to give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Wood. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Wrong story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah, exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done.
you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. <laughs> you promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> Your water! You forgot your um. Papsi, your man, you told me everything I ever did! <laughs> it takes faith. It takes faith to do what Jesus just did. But Jesus said, Greater things you will do than I. And he wants us, he's telling us. We can't skirt around stuff. We're going to have to confront sin in the church. We're going to have to help people walk in repentance. And we're going to have to forgive. And upon hearing this, the disciples' response was realizing it takes faith to do this. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit to build this up. Because some people you feel, man, I don't, I don't think they deserve my forgiveness. They hurt me so much. Or... Or how, how do I confront this, man? They're shacking up together. They're, they're like, how do I do that? Well, you do what Jesus did in John chapter 4. You listen to the Holy Spirit and you step in faith. 
and coat everything in love. Jesus didn't skirt around her issues. He hit them head on, but he did it in such a way that she repented. And in fact, John tells us that she went and told the town, and because of her testimony, many believed, and then Jesus stayed there for three more days, and it, and it, went, it shifted from her testimony that many believed to the people said, at first we believed because of your testimony, but now we believe because we've encountered Jesus ourselves. Because it, we're, we're not doing anyone a favor by not confronting things. We're not doing anyone a favor by not forgiving. We're not doing anyone a favor by not walking in repentance and not helping them. It takes faith, though. So in response to this, the, the, the disciples' epiphany was, we need more faith. We need more faith. If, if this is what God's telling us to do, we need more faith. So my, my second thought with you is faith grows and works out of the soil of forgiveness, submission, and servanthood. If, if you want your faith to grow and you want your faith to work, you have to walk in forgiveness towards people. You have to be submissive towards God, and you have to be a servant, not just to God, but to other people. When we serve God and we submit to God, that actually makes us a servant to other people. And by serving other people, that actually makes us a leader in the kingdom. It's a backwards and upside down kingdom. But Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He modeled it first and so faith grows and works out of the soil of forgiveness, submission, and servanthood. The first thing Jesus addressed, though, when they said, teach us how to grow our faith, Jesus addressed the fact that it doesn't take a lot of faith. In fact, he addresses this in every single gospel. Most of the time it says, if you, take the faith, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be cast into the sea and it will be done. Here he says a mulberry tree. But the point is faith works on an exponential level. And so often, I've heard just this week, I've heard this week from people, like I just don't have that much faith. I just don't know if God... And, and my response was, the good thing, it doesn't take a lot. We, we so often get weary in our faith, and we're like, oh, how many times like we've said stuff like, God, I, I don't know if I have enough faith to see this happen. Or, God, I, I honestly don't know if my, my, my faith is strong right now. And God, Jesus loves us enough to address this. He's telling you, it doesn't matter how much faith, because faith works exponentially. He, he, he compares it to a, a mustard seed, but I think the idea is a seed in general. Like, because a mustard seed, he says, a mustard seed grows and becomes the biggest garden tree. But think about a seed, a watermelon seed, for instance. A watermelon seed grows up to 400,000 times its size to create a watermelon. And then one watermelon seed can create several watermelons. Because faith is like a seed. And it works on an exponential, not addition. It takes a little bit of seed to do a whole lot of work. A little bit of faith 
does a whole lot of work. I mean, think about an acorn. An acorn, it's like the, smaller than a quarter. But how many millions of times does that acorn grow to become a giant oak tree? Millions of times. And how many acorns does that oak tree produce year after year after year? Jesus is addressing something first and foremost. He's saying, I hear you. You want to grow your faith, but take heart because it doesn't take a lot of faith. It doesn't take a lot of faith. So if you're here and you're just like, I just don't know. If, my faith is waning. My, I feel weak. And Well, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes a little bit in the right thing. Quit putting your faith in your bank account. Quit, quit, quit putting your faith in, in, in health systems. Quit putting your faith in governments. Quit putting your faith in people and start putting your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in what he says. This whole series is about declaring what God's already saying. Because when we come into alignment with God, things happen. God says, I'm your provider. God says, I'm your healer. God says, I'm your provision. God says, I'm your peace. God says, I'm your victory. Like, this is who he is. He's Jehovah. That's a covenant name that he gave himself. And, and he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Jehovah Nissi, our victory. Jehovah Shur, our strength. Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. I mean, this is who he is. Put our faith in who God is and believe God. Like, remember that, that, that definition of faith is throwing your, your entire self on him. So faith grows and works out of the soil of forgiveness, but it doesn't take a lot. Then Jesus gives, he's like, okay, but since you asked how to grow your faith, I'm going to teach you how to grow your faith. And this is where I have issues. I can't speak for you. I think everyone else probably has their life together way more than I do. But then he gives us, he gives this parable about a guy plows all day in the field and he comes in and his master says, hey, um, since you just plowed, can you make me some food? Put your apron on and then serve me while I eat. So you're just sitting there like, do you need any more wine? Do you need any more food? You're just serving the whole time. And he says, and you can eat later. And does the master thank him? No, because he's a servant. That's what he's doing. And then, you know, after, after everything, he says, the response of the servant should be, I'm just glad I got to do what I got to do. And that's how Jesus told us to grow our faith. We submit and we serve. He didn't say there's going to be attaboys. He doesn't say um, there's going to be a lot of good jobs. Regardless, or whether you get a slap on the back, high five, good job, you serve and submit. If you want your faith to grow, you serve and submit. And, and to give you context of what this looks like, I've really, I, I started putting some thought into this because I started th thinking about stuff that takes faith in my life and what's grown my faith over the course of my life. And it's usually, for me, it's when God asks me to do something. Like, when I'm walking downtown, last week I, 
I was walking and I saw this guy walk out of the courthouse and he had a huge limp. He was walking like that and the Lord said, go pray for that man's healing. So the great man of faith that I am stopped and said, that limp looks pretty serious. <laughs> but I'm constantly saying stuff like we gotta pray, we gotta pray, pray, we gotta pray prayers and declare things that make us look literally insane unless God shows up. We can't give ourselves an out in our prayer life. We can't give God an out. Oh, Lord, if it's your will. What do you mean if it's, like, especially for healing, what do you mean it's, if it's your will, Lord, will you heal like Jesus? I wonder if Jesus ever scratches his back and fills those scars. Like, what do you mean if it's my will? I, I, I took a beating so you can receive healing. Or, oh, Lord, if it's your will, would you provide, like, how many times throughout Scripture does the Bible say and we just, there's a disconnect between our head and our heart. God's got it. The Holy Spirit's, we got to allow him to get this scripture into our heart. Like, he is our provider. He will come through. If you look, if you look at the course of your life and how many times God has been faithful, to doubt him in your present situation is actually illogical. If you just add up every time God's came through, it's usually in the 11th hour because I don't know why, but God just likes to show up in that time. But every time he's come through, and it's always more than enough. It might be a healing. It might be, it might be a provision. It might, it might be a, a family member that gets saved. But like he always comes through, and then yet the enemy gets us to doubt his goodness. But faith says we throw our whole personality upon his goodness. And then, so to doubt him in our present situation is actually more illogical. I guarantee you, the number of times God came through far outweighs the number of times he, he chose in his sovereignty to let something happen. And even at that, he still came through. Because God always comes through. That's who he is. But for me, I, I'm seeing this guy. I said, okay, God. And I have fear in my heart. I'm like, Lord... I recognize something. I can't heal a single person. That's beyond my ability. I don't know if you guys have ever realized that about yourself, but you can't do a single thing apart from God. So I walk up to him. I said, dude, what can I pray with you about? And he's walking like this. He's like, well, my boss dropped a tree on my foot last year and crushed it. I'm like, oh. I'm like, this is worse than I thought. <laughs> so I just said, where's your pain at right now? He said, 11 out of 10. So you're saying it's bad, right? No, I didn't say that. And so I said, we're going to pray. And I believe that your pain's just going to reduce. And that God's going to heal your foot. I, I just declared that. We prayed. And I said, where's your pain at? He said, dude, it's like a 7. So, well, let's pray again. We prayed again. I was like, where's your pain? He's like, dude, it's like a four. I'm like, well, Jesus had to pray more than once for a blind man. And um, I'm going to just keep praying until it's gone. And we prayed again. And he's like, dude, I don't have any pain in my foot. I should have told him to stand up and walk. But I said, Lord, uh, I kept hearing tell him to stand up and walk. And I didn't do it. i got to be honest. 
I should have said it, but I, I, did, I told him, I said, next time you stand up and walk, you're not going to have a limp. And I walked off. I just walked off. But w- what I'm getting at is it takes faith. That, that challenged my faith to go do that. It challenged my faith to step out like that. And so that soil that faith grows in, that, that works out of is submission and servanthood and forgiveness. And, and so I had to submit to what I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to do in that moment. And then I had to serve that dude. And, and, and just another practical example, um, I was mowing my grass last, last Saturday, Friday, and this person I went to high school with kept going through my head. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to pray for um, them. And I, and I started praying for them as I'm mowing because, like, honestly, I can't tell you. I graduated with, like, 20 people, and I remember two of their names. Like, let's just be, I, I just, like, high school is so far behind me. Even though it's not that far behind me, I just, like, um, I just don't remember. But this person from my high school kept coming to mind. And I'm like, okay, God. And so as I'm praying for them, the word application, like I'm praying for them and and like I'm hearing the word application in my head, application, 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 application. And I'm trying to, like to the point it's distracting me. I'm praying like, Lord, be with them and their family and their little girl and this pregnancy because I know about their life because of Facebook. And so I'm just doing all this and the application, I'm like, I can't get this word out of my head. So I'm I'm like, okay, God, do you want me to say something to them? Because you're you're clearly laying something on my heart, and I don't know what it means, but I'll say it. And so uh, he didn't really say anything. He didn't tell me to do it. He didn't tell me not to do it. I just stepped out, and I sent them a message just saying, hey, I want you to know God loves you. And he just really laid you guys on my heart to pray for as I was mowing. And the word application came to mind, and... I felt like it's for your husband that that he needs to start filling out applications. And you start you start telling people stuff like that. That's crazy. I'm like this guy, I don't I've never even I've never even met her husband. And I'm like I know I sound insane, dude, but and the next day I got a message back saying what's crazy is when you sent that message my husband, Zach, was on the phone with his mom asking God for a sign of whether he should start filling out applications. And here I am, nervous about, like, but what I'm getting at is, <laughs> Jesus says, if you want your faith to grow. So I'm hearing this, and my faith is growing. I'm like, woo! Like, good old Ric Flair woo. You know? Some of you guys got that. Some of you guys don't watch wrestling. Um, but I'm, my faith grew because I submitted and I served in that moment. And, and, like, you guys probably have way more stories, but it's such a practical example. Jesus is the ultimate example of what this looked like. He had to go through Samaria. He submitted. He submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Then he served. It says he was warily exhausted. He said, can I have a drink of water? I believe his intentions at that moment was for water. But recognizing in the conversation that transpired, 
he recognized the work of the Holy Spirit and says, this is why I had to go through Samaria. And he submitted and he served. He served the, the woman at the well. So if, if you want your faith to grow, you want your faith to grow, you, we, we got to work out a submission. And, and, and honestly, if you're not forgiving someone in your life, your faith is not going to grow. It's, gonna, it's just going to put it into it. There's a reason why Jesus said, talked about forgiveness and repentance and confronting sin, and then he told them to, to submit and serve. Because these three things grow your faith. You want to grow your faith? Start forgiving people who have hurt you. Let it go. It might take years to say, God, I forgive them because you forgave me. But it will grow your faith. And it'll actually help you understand the forgiveness that God's given you is so much greater. And this, this, this thought went through my head. But you can't be commissioned until you come into some mission to the primary mission. And so many of us, if I walked around this room and said, do you want your faith to grow? Do you want God to use you in miraculous ways? I, I, I would venture to say most of us would say, Absolutely. I want to be a servant to God. But God gave us a commission throughout the Gospels to go, preach the Gospel, and make disciples. And the, the, the trick is with this word commission. It's a mission, but it's a commission. That means there's someone else beside us walking it out. That someone being God, he comes up beside us, to walk out our commission, the great commission, go into all the world. And right before that, he says, all power and authority has been given unto me. So we walk in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and we fill this mission. So it's God's power and authority to walk out this mission. So he's working, he's co-laboring with us. But so often the problem is we don't want to submit to the primary mission. So our faith is halted and, and we, we have prayers that don't get answered and we have, we get spiritually constipated because we're trying to go off and do our own little mission instead of submitting to the main mission. And don't get me wrong, there are good things that we can do as Christians. We should. But the primary mission is to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we're not actively engaging in that, and we're doing our own little things, and we're saying, God, bless this, and God's, I honestly feel like God's not going to co-labor with you in that. Because God gave us a commission that he's already promised to co-labor with us in. He's already put his favor on the Great Commission. He's already put his favor on that. And so we got to submit to the primary mission to walk in the commission and have all the authority and power that God gives us. And our faith will grow. Our faith will grow out of this. Jesus submitted to the mission. Jesus said, I came to seek and save those who were lost. That was his mission. He submitted to the mission, and we got to see in that video just a visual of what happened in John chapter 4. He submitted to the mission, though, and he walked in power and authority, and his faith grew. His faith grew. So what is our response to this? 
What is our response? Jesus said our response to having our faith grow is we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. If you're wanting recognition for what God's doing in your life or through your life, um, I don't think your faith will grow. I once heard uh, a speaker named Christine Kane, and she said something so sobering. Um, she walked out at it was at a conference, and uh, all these people were cheering, like Christine, and she's a really good, powerful preacher. She's pre- preached at general council and everything. Well, um, she walked off the stage after doing whatever, and Joyce Meyer actually was sitting beside her. She goes, hope you like that, because that's all you're going to get. And she said it was such a sobering thought. So she says, every time I walk out on stage to share a story of how God's used me, I ask the Lord to give me six, seven, eight things that no one sees or knows about. So I have something to lay down at his feet. That's how your faith grows. Doing things that no one knows about, you just serve, submit, forgive. I believe that the Lord gave me this word today because in this season, in the coming seasons, our faith needs to grow. We have to have faith to, to even just to declare the word of God. Like we can say things and we can, we can declare what God's saying, but if we don't believe it, we can't just say we believe it. It, ha- it has to be real. It has to be the greater reality. We can't just say, God, I believe you're my provider, then live like he's not. We can't just say that, God, I believe that your word's true, then live like he's not. It has to be real. Like, we have to believe to the point it alters our behavior. We have, to, we have to submit to the point where it changes how we are and who we are. We can't just say things. And, and so as, we, as we're going through the series declaration, coming in line with what God's already saying, some of us need healing. We can't just say, God, you're my healer. And then live like he's not. We got to believe it. I'm not saying like, you know, don't go to the hospital or anything like that. Like God God used doctors throughout the Bible. God my favorite story about how God works is Hezekiah. He was told he was going to die. He cried out before the Lord, and then Isaiah turned around and said, "Okay, your life will be extended 15 years." That's pretty cool. And and then he said, do you want proof? And he's like, yeah, do you, want the, do you want the clock to go backwards 20 minutes or forwards 20 minutes? And God says, or Hezekiah said, I want the clock to go backwards 20 minutes to prove that God's going to extend my life. And God made the clock go back 20 minutes. He altered the cosmos of the universe to prove that he was going to extend his life. But then he told Hezekiah to use medicinal purposes to heal his wound. 
Instead of just, he, he could have just healed him right then and there. He's like, oh, go get some eucalyptus leaves, put like some salt on them, and just lay it on your wound, and you'll be good. But God just turned back the time 20 minutes, altered the cosmos. And, and so what I'm getting at is, though, we got, Hezekiah believed God. we got to believe God. It can't just be something we say. It's something we are and do, and our faith will grow. But well, we gotta submit, we gotta forgive, and we gotta serve. And today, in response, I, I wanna just take a moment with nothing going on. I'll, I want us to ask some sobering questions to ourselves. Number one, Lord, is there anyone in my life I'm not forgiving? Because that, that, like Jesus said, you can't be forgiven if you're not forgiving. This is a big deal. And I know that some legitimate hurts are in, represented here or online. I get that. But Jesus forgave us. God bankrupt heaven to overcome sin in our life. That we can have a relationship. And he says we're as white as snow. We, like, he wiped our record clean. If God can do that. To us, who are defiled by sin, we can forgive. So we need to ask ourselves, God, who am I not forgiving? Is there anyone? Maybe you don't have anyone. Maybe you've forgiven everyone. That's awesome. The next question is, where am I not submitting? Where, where am I not submitting? Then the next question is, where can I serve? Do I need to forgive? Where am I not submitting to you? And where can I serve? And I, I, I don't want music. I, I want us to, to hear this. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us in this moment. In this moment. And ask. And, 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 and it, might, it might be a still small voice. It might be an impression. It might be... Let's just give this moment to God because we need our faith to grow in the coming seasons to see God do what only God can do. And it's going to build right into next week. Be here next week. Bring friends next week. We're going to see what God says about persistent prayer. But I would say prayer is only as good as the faith that we put into it. We can, we can speak empty words before God, if we don't believe he's truly going to do what we're asking. So we need our faith to grow so we can pray powerful prayers. So let's ask, Lord, who do I need to forgive? If If there is anyone, reveal it to me. What areas of my life do I need to submit to you? And where can I serve you? It might be here at the church. It might say jump on a team, or it might be your family. It could be any number of things. Let's just be quiet before the Lord and let's, let's personally ask these questions.
like some people in here need to hear this. When it comes to forgiveness, the person that you need to forgive is yourself. Sometimes we always look for other people to forgive, like, oh God, who wronged me? And honestly, the hardest person, the last person we forgive is ourself. And um, it's okay to forgive yourself because God's forgiven you. If God says you're righteous, then you're righteous. That means you have right standing with him. It's not a holiness of your own. It's only by God, through God, and for God that he gives us holiness and righteousness. But some people are carrying weights like, I've done too much. Even this morning, I, whatever. Forgive yourself. Jesus pours out forgiveness freely. How I want to close today is I want us I want us to to submit and to serve. And how we're going to do that, Jesus said as often as you take this cup, you do this in remembrance of me. This is a a commission of sorts to the church to take communion, to remember. And we're going to submit to the remembering of what Jesus did. And we're going we're gonna to serve. And so let's just take a moment. Let's come, let's come get some communion. It's right up here around the front. You do not have to be a member to be, take communion. Um, in fact, we invite everyone to take communion with us. So let's, let's move. Let's grab some communion. I don't want anyone to be forced to do it. You do not need a master's degree to open these, but you do need a high school diploma. Or GED, either one. This is a celebration. What this means, what this means is Jesus was beaten for me and his body heals my body. And what we're going to do is we're going to declare together as we remember what Jesus did, we're going to declare together Before we take this, I want you to declare every infirmity that's coming against you. If you don't have any, uh, I would would encourage you to call out people who are sick. Because we're going to remember, Jesus, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our sin was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. His stripes heal our body. That's not some novel idea. That's not some chant. That's not some um, mantra. No, that is truth. The, The word of God is true. 
<laughs> Let God be true and every man a liar. Like, it's true. And it, this is what I was, this, this is a moment to, to submit to God and what he says and come into alignment and agreement and declaration of what God has said. Peter, in one of his epistles, he says, by Christ's stripes, we are healed. Not we will be healed. Not that we were healed, we are healed. It's present tense. God heals our body because of what he did to his body. So I just want you to take a moment. If you have some infirmity, call it out. Jesus, your body heals my body. Because of what you went through, I can receive healing, and I receive it. Let's just take a moment and do that. We thank you, Jesus, that you took a beating so we don't have to take a beating, that, that your body was hung on a cross so our body does not have to be hung on a cross. We thank you that you paid the penalty of our sin in your body, and you took it a step further, and you took a beating for our affliction and our infirmities on your body so that we can stand healed, not, not, present, not, not future tense, like in the kingdom to come, Lord, I know we're going to be healed there. But here and now, and you model that throughout the Gospels and throughout the book of Acts and even throughout your church today, people are getting healed. So we call out, Lord, there are people in here that need healing and bone structures and back issues and cancers. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we, we declare healing because your body, your stripes heal our body. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you, God. We Praise you, God, in your mighty name. Amen. What I want us to do with the cup, the Bible says, without the Shedding of blood, there is no removal of sin. And there are people in here that are going to watch online. If you're watching online, go get cracker and juice, and let's take communion together. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to declare, the blood of Jesus sets me free. Jesus set us free from the power of hell, death, and the grave. He set us free from addictions he set us free from unforgiveness. And, and this is a good time for those people who have hurt you to, 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 to declare, Lord, you've forgiven me, so I forgive them. And this blood is proof that you're forgiven. This is a, this is a great time to, to call their names out. Let's, let's speak blessing over the people that hurt you. 
Let, let's, let's pray for those people. And, and, and while you're doing it, just declare, the blood of Jesus sets me free. It sets me free. You don't have to live in bondage to anxiety or depression. You don't have to live like that because God's truth is the ultimate truth. And it trumps fact every time. So let's just, let's just take a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your blood is enough. There's not a single thing that I have to add, that we have to add to it, that your blood sets us free. It sets us free from sin. It sets us free. Lord, it's not we will be free. It's not that we have been free. It's, it's setting us free. Lord Jesus, it's all of it. Lord, you're setting us free even as we speak. There are people that that I believe that weights are falling off of them as we take this. Lord, I believe that, that, that forgiveness is welling up in them and faith is rising in them as we take this, as we, we come into agreement and alignment with what you did and what you said. The blood of Jesus sets us free. So, Lord, we thank you for the shed blood on the cross that we might have communion with the Father, that you paid a price that we can never pay and that you... You lived a life we could never live. You paid a price that we could never pay. And you died a death that we deserve that we can have communion. Lord, we praise your name. We lift you up in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's take the, the cup. And let's just, let's just praise God in our own way. Come on. Let's just thank him. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We praise you, Jesus. You're worthy. You're worthy, Father. I pray, Father, right now for your church, Lord, that you'll just increase our faith as we, as we walk in submission and servanthood and forgiveness. Lord, that our faith will grow, that we'll start praying prayers that look crazy to the outside world, but they're not crazy because you are God, that you are able to do the impossible. Lord, we, we start, we start um, 
walking in such a way that we look different than the world and they and, and they see your hand on us and you see your hand working in us and through us and father i pray blessing upon your church i pray that as we walk out of this place you bless our comings and goings bless us as we lay our heads down and raise our heads up and lord holy spirit give us opportunities to share the gospel lord i thank you so much for who you are what you've done, and what you're doing in and through your church. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a blessed week.